Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 21st is Acts chapters 13 and 14. We read yesterday that Barnabas was sent from Jerusalem up to encourage and strengthen the new believers in Antioch, which was about 300 miles north. Here, Barnabas is with other church leaders ministering to the Lord. In verse 2 of chapter 13, some translation says they were worshiping. Others say they were serving. The Greek word used there is literally ministering to. We need to remember as believers that we are to minister to the Lord. There's such a focus today on ministering to one another and God ministering to us. But how many of us think about ministering to him? Father, what do you need? What can I get for you? What can I do for you? He doesn't need us, of course, but it gives him such pleasure. When we think of him in that way, they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. And that's when the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. Barnabas and Saul then are set apart. And it says, they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and then sent them off. Corporate fasting, corporate prayer, and even corporate laying on of hands seem to have been very customary in the early church. As they were traveling the island of Cyprus, going from city to city, looking for people who are willing to embrace the truth, they came across a sorcerer. His name was Elymas which means wizard or sorcerer, son of Jesus, Bar-Jesus, obviously not Jesus Christ. And this man opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, stared straight at the man and said, You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Now look, the Lord's hand is against you, and you are going to be blind for a season. And immediately the man went blind and needed assistance leaving the place. People were astonished at this, and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as a result. Many of us today struggle about whether we should share the truth or not, and how much and in what way. And it's good to be in that place of tension because it shows that we're thinking that we want to do the right thing and we need God's grace and revelation to know how to walk that out. As Paul pointed out, this sorcerer, Elymas, was perverting the straight paths of the Lord. He was actively meddling in the salvation of other people, trying to strip them of knowledge of the truth. This was not a division over religious differences. This was a division over somebody who was impeding the gospel and trying to convince somebody not to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was not arguing about religion like some are tempted to do today, where we take sides over whether or not a person is saved forever when they accept Jesus Christ or if they can lose that salvation. This is not an argument about water baptism by immersion or by sprinkling. This is not even about whether or not the gift of tongues is for today or not, or whether God still speaks to people in 2023 through dreams and vision. This was fundamental faith 
someone inhibiting another person from believing the truth, trying to convince them that Jesus was not the Messiah, that he did not suffer for our sins, and, and that he did not rise from the dead. Paul and Barnabas went on from there, but their assistant, John, who is John Mark, left them and went back to Jerusalem. That's worth remembering because later it will become a point of contention between Paul and Barnabas. But for now, they continue and they go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sit down to listen to what's being said. After the law was read and it was likely customary that they were going through the Pentateuch or the Torah, some section of what we now call the Old Testament, and had a reading every week like many synagogues do today. And after the reading of the law, they sent word to Paul and Barnabas and said, we would love to hear if you have a word of encouragement for the people here. God gave these guests favor, and Paul stood up and motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites, and all of you who fear God, listen. So it was not just the Jews, it was open to everybody. Gentiles were there as well, and Paul goes into a mini-history lesson, just like Stephen had done back in Acts 7. Of course, these men did not know Paul or Barnabas, and so it was good for him to start with the common ground that they shared to show that he understood the Jewish history. He wasn't just coming in out of nowhere. He was building a bridge between them, starting with something he knew they could all agree on. He was setting the context for a mutual faith with the goal that they would believe him. He goes through the history even to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and concludes with a warning from Habakkuk where God says, I am doing a work in your days. Be careful that you believe it. It created quite a stir. The people asked them to stay and actually come back the next week and speak again. And so they did. And the next Sabbath day, almost the whole town showed up to hear the word of the Lord spoken through Paul. Of course, the religious people were quite upset and jealous by that. It would be like a revival breaking out on the street outside of the church we attend, and the people in the church being upset that God was moving outside the four walls instead of inside it, and they try to quash it and find something wrong with it, rather than investigating to see if it was really from God, and then humbling themselves and going out to be a part of it, rather than finding themselves fighting against God himself. Unfortunately, as happens in religion, the Jewish leaders who were jealous began to contradict and argue with the things that Paul was saying, trying to lead people astray, just like the sorcerer had done, and they were throwing insults at Paul. It's a very clear indication when somebody cannot use Scripture that they start making personal attacks that they probably are on the wrong side of the truth. Nevertheless, we read in verse 48 that all who had been appointed to eternal life believed the truth. Just another reminder that God in His sovereignty is rescuing some despite what the world does, despite the lies of the enemy. We, as ministers of the truth, need to be treasure hunters. We need to be looking for the, those who are willing to embrace the truth and share it with them. For those who are not, as Paul and Barnabas did, 
shake the dust from your sandals and keep it moving. That's exactly what they did in verse 51. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In chapter 14, we see the persecution increase. The enemy is raging against the advancement of the gospel. A great number of Jews and Greeks were both believing, but the jealous religious people stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they, Paul and Barnabas, and their party traveling with them, stayed there for a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of his grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. One of the ways the Holy Spirit confirms the message of the truth is by giving signs and wonders as a testimony to the fact that he is actually in it. Never mind what God is doing and how powerful it is and how many lives are being changed, the religious people who are jealous of this fresh move of God are looking for a way to end it, and so they develop a plot to stone Paul and Barnabas, but they are able to escape to another city, and there they continue preaching the gospel. In Lystra, while Paul is speaking, he sees a man who was born without strength in his legs, had never walked. Paul sees that this man has faith to be healed, and so he commands him, stand up. The man jumped up and began to walk around. The crowd is utterly amazed, and they begin to call Paul Hermes, the Greek god, and they refer to Barnabas as Zeus. They believe that the gods have come down and are walking among them. It's interesting that Zeus was king of the gods, and Hermes was a herald. He was a mouthpiece. He's one who spoke on behalf of the gods to the people, among other things. Greek mythology is just that. It's mythology. But these people believed it, and they were ready to start sacrificing to Paul, who they thought was Hermes, and Barnabas, who they thought was Zeus. If the people thought Barnabas was Zeus, the king of the gods, we can infer from that that Barnabas must have had some qualities that the people observed that made, him, that made them think he was more powerful than Paul himself. Verse 18 tells us that they were barely able to stop these people from sacrificing to them. As they were calling out, we are just men like you. Stop looking at us and start looking to the one who sent us. In the very next verse, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. How quickly groupthink takes over. How easily influenced are people. Let it be a lesson to us. Let's not do what the crowd is doing. Let's stand against the momentum of public opinion and do what we know to be right and say what we know to be right. Many of us are careful we don't want to offend anybody, but there's a spirit over America and Western society that wants to silence the truth in every format. If someone is deceived about the gospel, how easily will they be deceived about other things that matter in this life? The same lying spirit and spirit of intimidation over believers that wants to keep them muzzled 
will strive to placate us, to get us to compromise. If Paul was the greatest emissary to the Gentiles the world has ever known, and he was stoned for speaking the truth to the point that he was left for dead and dragged out of the city, let us prayerfully consider what God is calling us to stand up and speak about in this generation and how we are to do it and to whom. Verse 20 says the disciples stood around Paul. When they gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. He was stoned and left for dead, and then he got up and went back into that very town, and they preached the gospel and planted a church there. Paul encouraged the disciples to continue in the faith, and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. It seems diametrically opposed to the gospel we hear it preached in a lot of churches today, that Jesus wants to give you that new car, that new house, that new job, that he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. As my friend Pastor Brian Young posted on Facebook just in the last day, there is no way you heard God say promotion, car, house, and increase, but didn't hear him say obedience, humility, and holiness. Let's get our priorities right. Let's focus on the truth. Let's love one another and let's share it. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I have a real estate business. I help people buy and sell real estate. It's the primary means by which I'm able to continue doing this, which is my joy to do. And so I would be honored and grateful if you would allow me to help you if you're buying or selling a home or any other kind of real property. I work with Call It Closed International Realty. I'm a senior real estate specialist and a strategic listing specialist. And I have a team of agents currently in 16 states, but we are growing all the time. So if you are a real estate professional, I would love to be able to partner with you in the success of your career. If you're a buyer, a seller, a renter, or a real estate professional, you can find my info at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you and God bless.